welcome back to the fifth episode of Mets Mafia. Well, we're very happy here. We got another guest this week, so we're very excited to get another uh, take on Mets baseball. A good week, uh, a so-and-so week, I would say. Um, so we're very excited to get into it. Like I said, we got Cunny as always, Greg as always, and then we got a guest this week, uh, my good friend Sean Kennedy, also with the Jets Way podcast, so you guys got to check that out. But uh, I'll let Cunny and them introduce themselves, so I'll throw it to Cunny right now. What's up, everybody? Sean, thanks for coming on, man. Everyone definitely check out the Jetsway podcast. Uh, we got our good friends Lorenzo and Jake on there, too. They do some great work. Uh, excited to talk some Mets. I mean, the beginning of the week was terrible, but good end to the week. You wanna, if you want to talk some good baseball, man, you talk to Sean Kennedy, all right? He knows his Mets stuff, and he is a true flushing bandit. Yes, sir, boys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love the content that you guys have been putting out, especially on Twitter. And the pockets have been great, so keep it up. We definitely do appreciate that, Sean. And like uh, Greg said, uh, definitely a flushing bandit, uh, avid Mets fan. We've been to many games, great experiences at uh, Mets game. The four of us went to the 2015 wild card game, and uh, that was a fantastic time, even though we lost. I mean, that was a heartbreaker, but we had great seats. Um, and that's something we'll never forget. You know what I'm saying? We all went there and had a great time, so – uh, I don't know if you want to say anything about that, Sean, or anybody else. Just chime in. But uh, that was a great experience. We had their great seats right there on that uh, right field line in the bullpen. We saw uh, all the dudes warming up, Syndergaard, Bartolo, everybody like that. So uh, that was a good time. Yeah, it was a fun game, and Thor, Thor pitched his ass off. We just couldn't pull it out. Fireworks started early that day when we were on the subway. A lot of Giant fans going to the game. They were chirping heavy. And then the Giants reporter caught us on the Twitter. And then you and, you and Shawnee were getting into it a little outside the stadium, CJ. You thought we were getting scammed out of our tickets. But we got in there clean and we were, we were there. <laughs> no, definitely, yeah. Was, uh, I said that last week when uh, we had uh, Al on that uh, there was the video of us with the Giants reporter that said the Mets fans uh, before the game going crazy. That was like the four of us. I couldn't find it. <laughs> I definitely need to do some more research because I can if I tried real hard to find that. But, yeah, like you said, uh, definitely tensions were high before that. My mom got us the tickets, thought we were getting scammed. The guy was not answering, not showing up, thought we weren't getting in. You guys were already in the stadium looking at us from above. So, Definitely tended we got in, seats were fire, everything was good, and uh, we had a great time. So, like I said, very happy to have shown on the show. Um, and we got a great week of Mets baseball ahead. So, I'm let Cunny, I'll start with the preview of last week, and uh, he'll just dive right in. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs was a rough series, man. Let's just start with game one. They lost three to one. Taiwan Walker looked pretty bad, to be honest with you. I know the umpire was, I think he was squeezing them, but. Whenever you throw six walks, it's not going to turn out well. I mean, Sean, what do you got to say about Tywin Walker that start? Oh, it was bad. I mean, the the weather in Chicago is definitely terrible. I mean, I want to put it all in the series, but Tywin did not look good that game. Even his last start, he walked a few guys, so you definitely don't want to see that loss of control with him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was saying last week how he's been big strikeout guy, but you see uh, this past game – Sorry, this first game of this week, he really got away from it and he was walking a ton and got himself into trouble. I mean, can't forget that he wasn't getting the best defense behind him and that was not helping as well, even when the ball was being put in play. But he was putting himself into trouble and then he got out there, John. I was glad to see Rojas go out there and have his back when he got tossed. I felt like he kind of 
had to do it. He didn't, he wouldn't have done that in any other circumstance, but it was nice to see that, but tough loss. And, you know, like Sean said, playing that cold weather is brutal. We did that for four years up at college. And when you're playing in that frigid, like 20 mile an hour wind, almost snow weather, like it's, it's tough out there to pitch and to hit. No, that definitely is brutal. It was a tough one for Walker. Like you said, the control was a little erratic there. Um, and the Rojas, look at that ejection over under Mark we had. Look at that. We said he might not even get ejected. We didn't even know if he got ejected before that. So uh, that's something to look after for those over under marks. But, yeah, that was a disappointing first game. Um, and then the second game just completely just fell apart. Um, Peterson, I thought – pitched all right until the defense really just fell apart. JD was real bad that game, misplayed a couple balls. Um, and that was just like a microcosm of like how kind of what we thought of like before the season, how the defense could be. I feel like uh, it kind of failed us there. So that was kind of like a nightmare scenario. So hopefully the defense shores up because that's something that we've seen in a couple games so far this season. So what do you got to say about that, Greg? I mean, I'm looking at the box score now, man. I'm seeing four errors. Like, you're not winning any game in baseball when you make four errors. That's just unacceptable. JD's defense, I mean, he makes that ground ball. It was a tough play. It might have been tough to double up, but if we at least get one there, it changes the inning. We should have gotten two. It gets you out of the inning. And look what happens, man. It blows up to a sixth spot in the fourth after we were up 2 nothing. with, I believe, that was Lindor's home run in the in the first, first home run of the season in the first inning. And we just – kind of shit the game away I mean can't really have those just because of the defense man I mean JD the thing with him is he doesn't even look comfortable over there that's why it's concerning like when he feels these ground balls I feel like he's taking so many steps in between making the throw like he's had a bunch of he's double pumping he's taking that extra shuffle and like there's so many plays of like he's got a cannon there's no doubt but he's taking way too long to get the ball over you shouldn't have to hold our breath every time the guy gets the ball hit his way. I mean, it's got to, you got to feel safe. You get a routine ground ball to third, man. You shouldn't have to think about it. Yeah. Every time the camera's on him and he does a double clutch in his mitt, you just hear Keith groan every time. Sean, <laughs> uh, yeah. while we got you on, I feel like it's a good thing to ask would you rather Guillaume or JD at third? Starting like an yep. everyday third baseman? This is a tough question because JD's bat plays. He's been he's been heating up recently. Four fourteen average right now. I think for now, for now you play JD because his bat plays. He can be an elite bat, like honestly, he could be. No, yeah, I definitely uh, I agree with that. Like you said, his bat is playing, but I think he's thinking too much. Like it's in his head that he is shaky there at third base, um, and that's an issue. His defense is definitely in question. Um, so I don't know. His bat does play, so that's a huge thing. Um, he's. Uh, I saw an interesting stat on SNY. He's like, everybody thinks that he kills the lefties so much, but uh, his stats are, since he's been on the Mets, the exact same against lefties and righties at batting average wise. So um, he does, he's a, he's a good hitter. Um, so he does need to be in the lineup, but his position is in question. So it makes me think maybe not Guillaume, but uh, maybe an upgrade in the future. So uh, we'll see. What do you think, Con? Yeah, I agree. I think I ride with J.D. Davis right now because, like you said, his bat. I mean, he was in a cleanup. I mean, we're going to head ourselves with the National yeah. Series, but that's the type of hitter he is. He's a middle-of-the-order hitter, and for a team that's struggling offensively, I just don't see making that move right now making a lot of sense. I think you need him out there. Yeah, that's a good point, Connie, especially right now with how the offense is looking. You kind of need him there, and he's kind of always been a middle-of-the-order guy for us. Like, in 2019, he was hitting in the three-hole plenty of times, so you can't forget that. Like, 
yeah, we upgraded the lineup and stuff, but we're kind of spoiled having a guy like him hitting six or seven down there, like him and Jeff, two guys who are quality guys to go down there, but he'll have to wake up. But JD's bat's too nice right now to take out of the lineup. His defense, I mean, yeah, as long as he's not killing us weekly, like as long as we see games like that once in a blue moon, I guess we'll take it, but it can't be a regular thing. Yeah, I feel like we're talking about uh, JD a lot on the show, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, JD's always, I feel like, found his way um, into the podcast so far. Maybe that's because he's got his own podcast, The Cookie Cutters, and then uh, The Cookie Club, my bad. Um, but I'm not going to get in more to that. Uh, he's played well with the bat. We know his defense isn't great. But that uh, that fourth game when Lucchese started, uh, he didn't play, start well, but then we got real great work from the bullpen. So to lose that game and the bats didn't really show up, uh, that definitely hurt. So I know we want to talk about that a little bit because running through the scoring position has been an issue. So uh, what do you think, Connie? Yeah, I mean, that the ending to that game sucked. Dom Smith, you know, I think he is one of the clutch hitters. I think he's got a little bit of clutch gene. It sucked to see him into that double play there. But like you said, the bullpen, though, that's a positive. I mean, that guy, Reed Foley, seems like a freak, but hey, he pitches well, so I'll take him. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll own up for it for my guy. Jeff McNeil, what was it, top 10, man on third, no outs. That was a terrible at bat from him, man chasing that pitch up and away and he wasn't even having that great in at bat beforehand he's got to do something better put the ball in play get the ball in the outfield something and then Guillaume too after that with one out same thing this is a terrible at bat couldn't get that clutch hit runner in scoring position it's been the common theme but it's April they'll come but that was just the game we could not throw away I felt like we played well we got the timely hitting in the mid to late game to tie it up and we just couldn't finish off the deal yeah, I feel like the clutch hitting as a whole just hasn't been there this year, except for the McNeil home run with the second game of the year. And that's literally it. But I believe in Jeff. I think he'll wake up, man. That guy's a true hitter. It's a matter of time, man. It's April. Yeah. He's a career 300-plus guy. I mean, I've been saying, I think it's just a slight they threw him at the bottom of the order. Not not because I don't like Nimmo, but just because the guy was always our one or two hitter for years and years, you know, and he's always been doing us right. And then he kind of became the odd man out. And then what we saw this week is he got that off game against the Nationals game one, and then we all kind of saw him sitting the Sunday game against Corbin too. But I, how, how come he's getting the shaft in all this? You know, he's struggling, and he's being the one who's being thrown and getting the off days. They rode with Conforto, and now he's getting out of his jam. It's time for Jeff to start getting his everyday burn. He's going to break out because you need his bat. He's a key bat for us. I agree. Yeah, yeah Jeff definitely is a key bat <laughs> I just wanted to get back to Sean there. I thought you put up a good point that uh, just the runners and scoring, that has been an issue. It kind of dates back to last year, too. Like, we had great numbers all around for the offense, but then the runners and scoring position um, was real poor. So what do you think that is? Like, do you think it's just a mentality with the team? Do you think it's, like, hitting coach? Like, I know Chili Davis wasn't around last year, but do you think it's kind of like the mentality they've instilled? Like, what do you think is going on there, why we struggle so much in that portion of the game? It's tough because I don't want to put it on Chile, right? So when when the offense got going in 2019, it was clicking. You know what I'm saying? That was a good offense. And he wasn't there in 2020, like you said. I'm not really going to blame it on him. Maybe it is an approach thing, but it's still early in the season. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to automatically link this season with last season because last season was atrocious. But but they kind of woke up towards the end. I feel like like, like the last 20 games, I feel like last year, they were they definitely got better. So, so we're talking a longer season this year. I think once the offense get going, 
gets going, and I think it will get going, the team will be very good. I think just to add in on what Sean was saying, one like one guy whose approach I think really like he needs to improve it with runners on base is Lindor. It's like Lindor keeps chasing pitches early in the count, and I feel like once he gets going with runners in scoring position, it's going to carry to the rest of the team. I feel like he's kind of appointed as the leader of this offense, and he's just been so quiet so far. And once he gets rolling a little bit, everyone else will pick up and follow suit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sean, Sean made a good point, too. I mean, this is just April. I think uh, a lot of people are forgetting off the 2020 season we just had with 60 games that it was kind of like you got to put up in one month, and if you don't, you're not going to be looking good for the season. But now we're back to 162, and we got a whole lot of season left. Yeah, that is a good optimistic point of view, Greg. I do agree. Over a whole portion of the season, those numbers definitely probably would have uh, evened out somewhat, like the law of averages there. Um, so that is a good point. Um, and I know, Connie, you did uh, mention Lindor, and I think that is huge. He hasn't he hasn't been hitting all uh, well at all. So that is uh, he's only hitting two ten right now, one home run, three RBIs. Um, he has been chasing a lot of pitches. I just feel like he's pressing a little bit. So. Um, we haven't really talked about him that much. I feel like in a couple episodes, he did sign that big extension. He was such a big topic of discussion. Um, but he has not played uh, – he hasn't hit great. He's been very good in the field, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, he hasn't hit great. I think he's pressing a little bit, so that bat will come around. But uh, that has been slow so far this year. No, we need for him is a stretch of left-handed pitchers, man. I feel like he looks so much better from the right-handed side as a hitter. I feel like if he sees a couple lefties within a couple of days, like he could really turn it around. Once Lindor gets hot, man, it'll be huge for the team. I mean, three RBIs, and he's been hitting two, three all season. That's exactly that's, like, that's a problem. That's he's where a lot, of, yep. a lot of opportunities that he's had. He's been getting on base all the time right in front of him. He's been getting on base over 500 clip. I mean, he's got to drive him in. It's only a matter of time until Frankie figures it out, man. I just haven't been happy with some of the swings I'm seeing on him on the outer half of the plate. I feel like he's kind of just slapping the bat out there and hoping for the best, opposed to like seeing it deep and really putting a good piece onto it. He's out, he's looking good on inner half pitches once he wants to turn on, but he's getting a little lazy, especially on that up and out pitch and just anything away. He's got to get back to his thinking middle of the field. I don't really – I think it's just his approach. But, again, it's going to it's gonna come once he sees a couple more through everywhere. Like Conforto hit, I think, two balls earlier in this week, left center. One was caught, one was a double. But that's kind of how he's been finding it. Yeah, he's thinking center. Matter of time. Not, yeah, that is a good point. I think that uh, he kind of has been, like, uh, out in front, kind of, like, selling out for that, like, first pitch fastball. I feel like – especially against the uh, Aussie pitches early in the count, the swings have been real poor. Um, so I think that is a good analysis there, Greg. Uh, good point that you brought up. Um, and I think that uh, we did dive into the Chicago series uh, pretty well. Anybody else got any uh, comments they'd like to add into that? Or do we just want to jump into the, the Rocky series with consensus there, folks? Enough of, the negative, enough of the negativity. <laughs> enough of that sweep. Who cares? We had a big series win against the Nats. Friday's game, I was there. Best Grom start, I think, of his career, if we're going to be honest. I mean, two hit shutout, like 15Ks career high. City field was electric. MVP chance almost every inning. Anytime the man was, was on the field, it was crazy. It was electric environment. Great to be back at City field. Blue and orange is roaring. We're about to go back to 33%. That place was popping at eight or 9,000. I can't wait till we start getting more people in there. 
that he was rocking, man. That that's crazy. You were there. That was an amazing game. The ground is truly unbelievable, and we just gotta appreciate this man while we have him. Yeah, Greg, that's uh, that's something that you can just uh, you you'll never forget that. You know, that's a great experience at that that the Grom game right there. Like always, forget it. Uh, it's one of his career highlights, you know, and that he's had a great career so far. Hopefully, many more great starts for him. He's been dominant so far. We expected that. Um, and you know, that just was like a fantastic start. My dad was telling me he was like a oh, he looked like Tom Seaver. He looked like Tom Seaver. It's like he's he's pitched like that for like three years now. And I feel like that was uh, you know, he got the complete game shut out. You don't really see that anymore. So that was just like the pinnacle um of what he's done. Not the because obviously he's won two Cy Young, but uh do that just was a great accomplishment for him. So great start, great win for the team. Um, Cody, I know you want to chime in on that, so I'll let him have it. Yeah, DeGrom was amazing. I mean, we're just witnessing greatness. I, he's definitely up there on the Mount Rushmore with Doc and Sierra. I think he's honestly had a Doc. I would probably put him ahead of Doc. And it's worth mentioning that his ERA dipped below Sierra to 2.55. This guy is honestly amazing. And it's like he's going to be that pitcher, that player that we're going to be talking about in 30 years. When we're looking back on the game, we like we used to say, we watched DeGrom pitch. This guy's special, man. Yeah, I'm just going to chime in real fast. I don't want to seem like uh, I uh, disrespected Tom Seaver in any way because he's an absolute legend. Like, obviously, the franchise, um, all of that. Uh, we're going to have the statue out there very soon. It should have been out there sooner when he was um, back alive. The Wilpons really botched that, one of the many things that they uh, did poorly with the Mets. So, no disrespect to Tom Seaver at all. Obviously, the franchise. Um, uh, so, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, and while we're doing that, we got to pay respect to Doc Gooden, too. No disrespect to him either. That 1985 season will probably go unmatched in Mets history. And just the fact that he's being in the conversation with those two just shows to his greatness, you know? I mean, I think I said it, like, last week. I think he's going to be this generation's, like, best, maybe even top five all time. Like, it could happen. If he keeps this up with the longevity, gets some more hardware, the Mets may be backing with something. He's got the argument. This stuff's just crazy. This guy's throwing 100, 101 with ease, blowing it by guys. They don't stand a chance. They're out there with their swords. They look ugly. It's wild. What do you guys think about his uh, – sometimes when he starts games with just fastballs like in the first inning, and maybe he'll even carry that on for a few more innings sometimes. He just goes out there. They know he's throwing a fastball. Sometimes right down the middle, and they still can't hit it. I mean, I personally think he's uh, just trying to go out there and first time through, he doesn't want to show them anything else. He's like, you know what, this is like, until you can hit this, you're not going to see anything else. So honestly, it does work for him. Like I obviously works for him. He goes out there and shoves Uh, every once in a while. He does run into um, a scrub in the bottom of the order sitting dead red and just hits one. I feel like those are the guys that hit home runs off the ground or those like bottom of the order, like just Guys, you would never think just sitting dead red fastball that they just get one, but uh, yeah, he starts like that obviously, and then uh, it works for him. So, uh, good for him, makes everybody else catch up to the good old country hardball. So, uh, I'm for it. Uh, what do you think, Connie? Yeah, I mean, the scary part is he's just he hasn't like plateaued yet, he's kind of still getting better. It's a little scary, and like you you made a good point, CJ. He doesn't really have anyone that owns him. Like you said, it's just those kind of bottom of the order guys that like occasionally run into a double or a homer. But 
I remember like Freddie Freeman saying that he's like the toughest pitcher to face and Freddie Freeman's one of the best hitters in MLB. I mean, I feel like everyone he comes across, he just wows. Like the uh, Nationals Twitter was annoying all weekend, but it was they tipped the cap or whatever they call it there. You could tell that just whoever gets to watch him, the other fan base is leaving jaw dropped. And I mean, one other thing I got to say to take away from that, uh, that start is the offense is dead the whole game. This guy's shoving for four innings or five innings at that time. Bottom five, he gets up and he gets the go-ahead RBI double. And let's go and put up three. And then what does he do after that? He strikes out six in a row. That's just silly. Guy is an RBI double, sits him down six in a row. Who else is doing that in the game? Shohei's Otani. not even doing that. Otani. Shohei's not even doing that. I don't even want to hear that. No. Yeah. I think it's worth pointing out. Home runs. <laughs> I saw that stat that he was the first pitcher in like 100 years, right, to start a game in the league in home runs. Yeah. But Greg, also your boy Nimmo is worth pointing out that game. You show up to the park and he hits four hits, three hits and four RBIs. Listen, I was talking shit every time, and I'm not gonna stop because it's working. So I can't it's reverse psychology. We're gonna ride with it until it starts to burn us. All right, boys. We're we're riding a good wave with him. I'm I'm just gonna keep it going until he starts proving me prove me right, I guess. Exactly. We we are riding <laughs> with Nimmo sucks train. I'm with Greg. He's reverse <laughs> psychology, he sucks. All right, and that kind of just will lead us into that Saturday game. We had a Stroman start. Um, he got squeezed a little bit in the beginning. He definitely wasn't happy with that. Uh, he showed the umpire a little bit, so he definitely was squeezed, did not pitch well. Um, so just a bad start, 7-1 loss. Um, one thing I want to address that I don't know if uh, anybody else would, so I want to make sure it has to. Um, Stephen Tarpley, Infinity ERA in that game. He's got to go, brought him up. He's got to go. Don't care. Um, my boy Sam McWilliams is down in the minors. I know he's not a little lefty, um, but hey, the dude's got to go. Um, Tarpley, that that's your that's your debut, man. Um, yeah, that's poor. Uh, very bad. Um, so I think that uh, yeah, that it just it just Tarpley just needs to go. That's basically what I got to say there. So uh, Greg, I know you're laughing over there, but it's not crazy about that call up either. To be honest, I mean, I think we have better choices somewhere down there in the alternate site i mean whatever happened to jerry blevins didn't we bring that guy in spring training and wasn't he almost making the squad i guess he didn't or i don't know if he retired again blevins, blevins is, he did go down to the alternate site and we brought up this schmuck when we read this dude man how do we not bring the guy jerry blev back i mean he, he grew out the flow and everything he i would rather see him out there the tarpley but regardless I think Stroman was the bigger issue. Stroman was the bigger issue that day. I mean, he didn't quite have his stuff. I mean, yeah, the umpire was squeezing him. He was jawing at him, whatever it was. But at the end of the day, he was started getting smacked around after that. He didn't. He just didn't have. Everyone's gonna have a start like that. Offense didn't want to back him. I mean, they didn't really do much the night before, like uh, we were saying with Degrom and Nimmo doing all the hitting. So, offense was slow, and it was just a tough game. Joe Ross shoving the bats up our asses. Come on, that can't happen. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, I was pissed before he even got rocked that he got called up. I, I mean, there's two types of guys. There's Sean Reed Foley's and there is Stephen Tarpley's. <laughs> and Stephen Tarpley, I'm with UCJ. He's got to go. I've seen enough. One good thing, though, that we saw that game was Gazelman. I think he looks he looks pretty good this year. I got to say, I've been impressed by Gazelman. I'm always rooting for G-Man. Yeah. Shoot Tarpley straight into the sun. He needs the go. Mm-hmm. And honestly, other than that, the bullpens looked okay. 
yeah, and no, Strowman, I, and the thing for Strowman is he was like living in the middle of the zone a lot that start, you know. And when you're Strowman, you just can't be doing that, especially with the movement he has on his pitches. You're bound to get hit around if you're throwing the bulk of your pitches in the zone. So hopefully you can turn the page on that start. Yeah, he lives in that contact, that ground ball. So that is a good point there, Sean. And uh, I know Gil, uh, Gelsman definitely did pitch well. That's something uh, Robbie G, that's something I did want to uh, get to. He did three innings, you know, he didn't give up any runs. So that was great work from him. And then even Jacob Barnes was able to go in there and toss um, a nice inning over there. So that just shows you how bad Stephen Tarpley was that day for an infinity ERA. But Familia uh, also pitched a clean inning there through well. So um, that's good things to see. So the bullpen has been solid. Diaz pitched well. So that's something that uh, we had questions about. But um, so far, it's been pretty solid. We don't uh, The bullpen really hasn't uh, killed us or uh, done anything bad yet. So I think that is a good sign so far. I hate to be the bearer of bear news, though. I mean, we did face a not-so-great Nationals lineup. I mean, they only had two extra base hits on the entire weekend. That's pretty ugly. They were just getting lucky with a couple squeaker of singles. But, I mean, yeah, we got some better re-relief performances. But we need. I still think we need some bigger guys when we play better teams and better moments. I mean, those are the types of guys that will get us through 162 and eat up these innings in these types of games. But I don't see a lot of those guys as big game guys. Jacob Barnes, forget about it. I don't want to see Familia in a big spot ever since 2016 ever again. I don't really want to see Robbie G in there unless it's like a fourth inning fireman role, but he's a, he's a good through 162, get you out of a jam in a game when everyone else is kind of burnt out. So it's good to see those signs still. Yeah, Greg, like you said, that was the fireman squad. Uh, it's not our, it's not our go-to guys. Uh, Tarpley proved he can't be a fireman. He can't <laughs> cut it. So he's got to go. Even, even Barnes too. Shoot him straight into the sun. Oh, yeah, I agree. Oh, you got Drew Smith go. coming back soon? Come on. Yep. It's over. <laughs> I don't know what the plan is, though, with Tarpley. Like, what, are they going to bring Lucchese back up, you guys think? Yeah. I, hope. I think Tarpley's he's got to go to the go. pen. He's got to go to the pen, Lucchese. I don't like him as a starter, mm-hmm. really. Ever since I saw him throw with Trevor Williams up with a man on first, one out, he's throwing curveballs in the dirt to him. Just throw him fucking fastball. Get him bunt. Take the out, man. Instead, he walks him, and that inning blew up. I can't, I can't stand a while. The little things like that, man. Put him in the pen. He'll be one or two innings at max. Well, Carrasco, they said uh, back mid-May, I think, or early. So um, two off days this week. Lucchese obviously got option down because of that. I think he'll be back up for probably another start. I mean, when does it come? When do you give Yamamoto a shot, you know? I mean, Lucchese has, hasn't been great. I mean, he definitely – so, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, Sean, what do you think about Yamamoto potentially replacing Ukezi there? I wouldn't mind it. I think you were right about him having, like, one more start left, I think is I think is about right. Hopefully Carrasco comes back, and we don't need to see a Lucchese or Yamamoto in the uh, rotation. But if you were to ask me, like, I guess give Yamamoto the one start. Why not? Like, I wouldn't mind sw- swinging him that one start instead of Lucchese. Yeah, I agree. I think I would like to see Yamamoto, but in Lucchese's defense, one thing I will say is I don't feel like he got a fair shot at that role because the Mets haven't been playing that many games, so he hasn't had that many opportunities. And when I think he's got, what, two starts? And neither went over three innings. So I feel like in his own right, like maybe he does deserve that last start before Carrasco comes back healthy to show what he's got. 
Good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, it wasn't a great game, but we go into Sunday and, you know, Sunday was a good game. It was a good win, won the series, and we needed that. We needed to cap off the weekend with the series win after a, a shitty start to the week. We had to pick it up a little, so that was encouraging. Yeah, we're through, he, we're through again on a that was Walker, right? Walker, Walker through again, yeah. yeah. Walker through very well. Miggy was uh Miggy was very good. Yes, JD with the dinger. He is uh Corbin's daddy. Um, that is for sure. JD, I know we were saying before, maybe he doesn't kill that, but he uh he crushes Corbin. So he uh he took him deep. That was huge. Um Diaz was good, Miggy was good, McCann got a good uh RBI hit there, Pete Alonzo with the home run. So that was a good Sunday win, 4-0 way to um, close out the rubber match of that series. So what do you got, Connie? Yeah, that was definitely a good game. Um, I'm not like a big analytics or stats guy, but it was interesting through, I think, like the first three or four innings of the game, the only hits against Corbin were JD and uh, VR, two guys that have really good numbers against Corbin. So JD must see it like a beach ball when it's coming in. I thought that homer in the first inning was huge. I mean – that lifts you up for the rest of the game. That gives Taiwan Walker, he, he's a little more comfortable out there. And I think Taiwan Walker really proved that he could bounce back. That was a big start for him. I'm glad to see that he threw a gem. I was happy to see the uh, lineup switch, too, for that game. Uh, they moved Pete to the two-hole, Lindor to the three-hole. I think it was time for Frankie to move out of that two-hole because we always say we want our best guy in that two-hole, and he hasn't been our best guy. But you can't move a guy like that out of the top. So I like moving him to three. And I was even think, talking to my buddies about it on Friday at the game. Like, if we were to move Lindor down, who would go to two? And we were thinking Pete, but we all, he's not a traditional two-hitter. And he went in there, and he had a great day. Those two first at-bats with the walks, he looked really good, patient. And then he let one loose in the third and hit a tank. Yeah, I love I J.D. in the four-hole against Corbin. I love it. Rojas sending J.D. up there just with his balls out, man. Yeah, definitely good to see the dudes all go out there and play well for that Sunday little matinee W and then uh, so we'll just jump into the preview for this. We've got a quick little two game set against Boston. Uh, we got Peterson against Richards tomorrow. Garrett Richards has not been pitching well. And then uh, we got DeGrom versus Pavetta, um, the old foe from Philadelphia who has been pitching uh, pretty good so far. Um, little resurgence there in Boston. So that's a little preview. We'll jump into that. Uh, Sean, let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts so far. We got another DeGrom star. It's all excited for that. Always nice to play the Red Sox. Uh, also, uh, friends of us, uh, hatred of the Yankees. So what do you got there? Yeah, a little, little quick two-game series. You got to face the ground game, too. That's tough. So I feel like that's already must-win game one for the for the Red Sox. They're, they're playing to win that game 100%. I hate the two off off days this week. That's just not good. We have an offense that's, that's trying to find a rhythm. I absolutely hate that. Um, And, yeah, like you said, absolutely pumped for next to ground day. It's like a pinnacle at this point. I feel like if you're a baseball fan anywhere in the country, you're probably watching the ground start that night. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Sean made a good point there. This off day today, we're recording on Monday, this off day today. That sucks because, like you said, it just feels like we need to get going. But I think, you know, Richards could be that guy. I think he's pretty terrible. I mean, you hope – I see, like, life from everyone in the lineup. You're seeing some life out of guys like Conforto. seeing guys like – Really, just I would say just not Jeff McNeil, but I feel like this is the series for Jeff to get going in the offense, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, going off what you guys said about not playing a lot. I mean, we just haven't had any regularity with the canceled games, the weather, all this stuff. Our guys have been playing on and off, on and off in April. I mean, I don't like Monday and Thursday off. It's weird. It's 
same thing, but I was looking ahead to the schedule after that. Come Friday and going forward, we got 10 straight. So that's a good opportunity for the bats to just get comfortable. And everyone's everyone's going to get a lot of ABs. So I think we'll see some of the guys who have been struggling, like Frankie, Jeff, find their groove. But I want to see I want to see some offense in the next week and a half. So I want to really see them start to wake up. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I think they're going to be uh, missing those off days. Uh, we do have two this week, so that definitely sucks. The guys can't get into a rhythm. But like Greg said, 10 in a row, they'll be uh, missing those off days after that because that is uh, a tough stretch there. But I think this is a big series for McNeil. I think he could break out here um, facing two right-handed hitters, so he better be in the lineup those two days. Um, he has, like Grace, said, kind of been like a been platooning a little bit. Greg uh, alluded that into the episode before. Um, that's just bad. He needs to get into the lineup. He sat him out last week. Uh, Luis sat him out last week against um, Eric Feedy, and then sat him again against Corbin when he knew Corbin was pitched on Sunday when he'd probably sit him. So why you do that? Um, Feedy, I feel like, is a guy that throws right into Jeff's wheelhouse there. So I think that's a guy he could break out again. So that just made no sense to me. That was a head scratcher. So um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about that, but if anybody wants to give their opinion, go for it. I agree. I mean, Jeff has way too good of a bat to be at a lineup, and he's not going to get going on the bench, Luis. So put him in, let him hit, let him get his ABs. He's a great hitter. His numbers say it all. Coming to the year, he's a 320 hitter. How do you just how do you exactly. just bench it? Career 320 hitter. It just really doesn't make any sense to me. He's got to get going. And again, the best by far in your lineup, like lifetime, you know? Again, guys. Lifetime average. He's this the best. this I wasn't against Nimmo batting leadoff just because I, I'm not a fan of him, but also because of, I, I was afraid this would happen. This is a guy who's hit one, two for us forever. And now you're kind of slight to him to be just throwing. You're, you're, you're kind of telling him Nimmo's better than you. And that's never been a, a fact in the last three seasons at all, in my opinion. I mean, look at the numbers. Yeah, he gets on base more. But when I'm looking at a hitter, that's the guy who's the better hitter. And I, if my team's going to succeed, I want him hot more than Nimmo. I'd rather have Jeff McNeil at his best than Brandon Nimmo right now at his best. My Again, it's my opinion, but it's a long season. We all know Jeff's going to be better than that loser anyway by the end of it all. Greg, I got to disagree with you there. That is, I mean, I doubt, I truly doubt that's why Jeff McNeil is not hitting right now. He's just a little punk. But if that, I mean, if that's what he's thinking, then come on now. We got to be better than that. Like, you know what it is, Slim? No he's way. spending too much time out on the links. He's he's looking too much like a golf swing, man. I was sitting up the third base side at the game on Friday. That man looks like he's hitting a five-iron little punch run 200 up the middle, man. He's got to get back and hit driver 300. That's what I want to see. I think McNeil, you can see though that he he's a head case. He's always been a head case and he's never been in a slump like this. So it's definitely driving him insane. You've seen him change. I think he's shaved, he's cut his hair, he's done all that stuff. He's trying to get out of it. You could tell this guy is going crazy. Yeah, he wants to get on base so bad every single time. So he's definitely driving himself crazy, but he's I think he'll he'll eventually get going. No, I agree hundred percent. I I think he'll definitely get going. He's too good of a hitter. It's just a, like you said, it's April. So Mark Deshera, I've said this before on the pod, um, any met that struggles, especially one that I would like, I'll uh, say, especially in April, we'll say that uh, Mark Deshera hit like not even his weight in April. Then he always turned out to be all right. So uh, Jeff McNeil will be all right. No worries there. Luis just needs to play him. Two righties uh, coming up with two off days. So he better be in the lineup both of those days. Um so, yeah, DeGrom, great start there. And then jump into the next start, we got Philadelphia again. Feels like we played them every single day. Um, but then we got Stroman versus Chase Anderson. 
Walker versus our old foe, Zach Wheeler. And then we got PD versus Flynn on Sunday night baseball with that terrible crew that they have over there. So no Gary, Keith, and Ron. Um, my sorry to the listeners and everybody around because that is terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. That sucks to hear. I didn't know that. That just kind of was a big bummer on my day. But Stroman, is this his third start against Philadelphia? Did he start twice against them in the first two weeks of the year? I think he did, right? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. Like, I'm curious to see how that goes. They, they've seen him twice now in April. I mean, like you said, Slim, we're playing them every day. I think that's a big series, though. Like I said, this division is already so tight, you have to win these divisional games. I think yeah, that's the Phillies more than anyone else. I we haven't even seen the Braves yet, right? No. Played like almost 11 <laughs> games versus the uh, Phillies. We haven't even seen Atlanta. <laughs> And we would have loved to see in Atlanta right now because they're yeah. struggling too. They're down real bad. So, you know, that's kind, of just, mm-hmm, that's kind of just how the schedule uh, crumbles out. We play uh, Atlanta a lot in the end of the season. So, uh, they'll probably have those guys back healthy, you know, those Met killers they got in there, Freddie Freeman, especially some of them. Yeah. But at the same time, the Mets are seeing these guys for their third time too. So, these bats better wake up. Yeah, Chase Anderson. I mean, yeah, it's like, your third on. time exactly. chasing him. Come on. He sucks, man. We better go off. I hope we tee off that game. And even on Wheeler, we usually face Wheeler pretty solid. Who'd you say the matchup was, CJ, against Wheeler? Uh, Taiwan Walker versus Zach Wheeler, and then it's Iceland versus uh, Peterson again. That's the probables uh, per the ESPN website. Hey, man, two big starts for Peterson this week, too. He's got to bounce back. He has not pitched up to snuff, I don't think. He, he he can improve a little bit. He's another guy that the Phillies are going to see for a third time, I think. Yeah, you're right. He had that rough first start and good second start. Yeah, so that's, that's weird scheduling, man. It's just weird how it all shook out so far this year. Yeah. It's just not been a regular start to a, to a season. That's once, Like I said, once May comes around, I'm looking at the schedule. We got the Cardinals, D-backs, Orioles, Rays, Braves, Marlins. We're seeing everyone, all new teams. Marlins again, finally. It's, it's going to feel like new baseball almost. Yeah, we got some nice weather. Uh, feel like a rebirth almost. It's a weird start to the season with the COVID, bad weather and such. And then on Monday, May 3rd, we got another DeGrom start to look forward to. He's going against St. Louis there. Um, so we'll be uh, – We'll go on after that game. We'll record the podcast after that. So we just wanted to dive into that a little bit. Another DeGrom start. So, uh, you know, everybody's always happy for that. Faces the Cardinals. They've been playing pretty well, I think. Um, I know Dylan Carlson's been playing pretty good. They got Arenado, Goldschmidt, a couple of dudes in that lineup. So it'd uh, be good to see DeGrom go against them. Yeah, whenever this guy starts now, we have to mention it. You, I mean, every time he starts, you got to tune in. I mean, we will be recording Monday. I'm looking forward to that podcast because this guy, he never doesn't put on a show. Yeah. And then I think, uh, if I think that's basically all we got for the previews and the recap. So, uh, I know we uh, mentioned, we got Sean on the podcast. We're very happy to have him. He's with the jets way, uh, podcast as well. Um, so definitely go give that a listen. I'll uh, let him, uh, tell you all the socials and stuff like that towards the end, but we just wanted to get into a Q&A um, with him. So I'll let Greggy start it off there and uh, just go like we did last week. All right, Squints. If you could make one transaction right now for the squad, what would it be? Any sign, trade, whatever it could be. Transaction. Let's, see, let's hear what it would be. So we're doing like realistic trade packages here? Like 
We're giving up a lot. Whatever you think the Mets might need right now. If you could make one move, I mean, obviously we're not in panic mode. What's something you'd like to see? That's that's a good question. It, it's tough to, because all right, so we're like, let's let's go through it. We're good at first. We're good at second. We're good at short. We can upgrade third. Um, I guess we can use a better center fielder, but I think we're good because we had because Dom has to play. So Dom and left, the most center can photo right. That really only leaves third, and I guess you could get a bullpen guy. Maybe we'll need another starting pitcher if somebody goes down big. Knock on wood. Yeah, bullpen, but, I think relief. I mean, yeah. yeah, bullpen or third base there. I think that's definitely the two upgradable options. So what do you got there? Third base, man. I mean, Matt Chapman, someone like that. That would be what about great. KB. Would you welcome a guy like KB? It depends on what, what we gave up, but yeah, I definitely would because at the end of the day, we're competing with teams like the Padres and the Dodgers, and those teams are stacked. And I think we have a good team, and we'll see what happens when we're clicking on all cylinders. But when you're stacked against those teams, you should always be looking to get better. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think there's the Dodgers are far and away the best team in the National League, probably just baseball in general. And the next two closest teams, in my opinion, obviously is biased, but I think it's the Mets and the Padres. And I think we can stack up against them, but when you look at the lineups, the Dodgers still blow us out of the way. We could use another bat to bolster that and match up with them when, when the time comes. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll move into my question, Sean. My question for you, what would you, what do you think is the biggest problem for the Mets so far this year? I'll give you three options. Hitting with running and scoring position, fielding, or the manager? Wow. I'm going to say the hitting with runners and scoring position just because it's been, it's been very bad. And we would, our record would be, I mean, it's, it's still very early, but we'd have a, a nice more chunk of wins if we could bump that up to league average maybe i don't know what the league average is right now and honestly it might be low because the scoring has been low this year but yeah no i agree and then on the flip what would you say is the least concerning of those three the least concerning of those three the what do you think will come around the fielding or the i think least will come around because you know the bullpen has been good so it's like if you if you mess up the bullpen, like that's an easy way for you to get the hell out of town, you know. But the bullpen has been good. The lineups have been weird. I hated Paul our opening day. I think you guys mentioned that uh, during one of your pods. That was just terrible. But who knows if that's even coming from him or if these lineups are coming from him? You know, you know, Sandy has his analytics guys. Our our general manager is a huge analytical guy. So I think it's not all coming from Luis. He might have a say, but I think he'll definitely turn around. Yeah, good questions and good points. I think the team kind of has underperformed in certain areas, so that is um, good to point them out about Luis. I think that, uh, Sean, like Sean said, I think that is kind of the least concerning thing. We've showed him some hate so far, but uh, the team kind of has underperformed some aspects of that. So I'll just leave that into my question. Um, and it's going to be kind of just generic. So, uh, Sean, what's your uh, all-time favorite Mets moment? I kind of do have a follow-up just like Connie, so I'll let you go. My all time. Wow. Um all time's probably Andy's catch, just cause I thought we were gonna win it all as soon as he caught that. So and I was like I was eight, but I remember it clear as day. My dad has a video of me, like us the whole game. He has the whole game recorded of us in our living room. But and the Wilmer Flores home run, I mean, we went to the World Series after that game. 
I mean, after that, that paved the way to the World Series. Let's say that. That was big. Those are two big ones. Yeah, I mean, those are those are great times. I know uh, Cunning Greg might want to chime in there. I was going to lead into my second question, but definitely go in with your with your guys' response there because those are two all time great Mets moments. I'm definitely forgetting like a couple that like if once I remember, I'll like be like, damn, like. I'll jump back in real fast because I know we were at the same game just by chance, 2006. So we were both eight at that time. The Carlos Beltran game when he had that home run, we were down uh, like yeah. eight nothing to the Cardinals. That walk off home run, that Shea Stadium was rocking. I thought that place, my eight year old self, hugging strangers, everything. I thought that <laughs> COVID world never now, but uh, we honestly at eight years old, I thought that place was gonna fall to the ground. I was rocking so hard, so. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely great season 2006. Connie, Greg, I'll let you guys go. Go ahead. That Andy catch, man. That was, oh, I remember that clear as day, just like you, Shoney. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. I still have a signed picture of that catch with Andy's signature on it on my wall, man. That's, that'll, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. I also like the Wilmer home run. I mean, that's like not that big a moment, but just the story behind it. I'll never forget that. Just that like series of days leading up to that trade deadline. I think that's a great, memorable couple of days for the Mets. I think another one too would is uh, David Wright, his hit off Mariano Rivera. I was at that game, so that uh, was awesome. That's another big one, yeah. Dead center over uh, Johnny Demon's head, right? Yeah. Always nice to stick it to the Yankees. And just the last part to my question, Sean, what's the uh, most heartbreaking moment you had with the uh, with your lovable Mets? It's got to be the collapses in, in uh, seven and eight because – our young naive self in 2006 said we were amazing. We're going to be back. Our pitchers got hurt, this and that. And we just never got back. And uh, <laughs> we got back in 2015 uh, since like, that was the first time since 06. So that was, so that was nuts. But I mean, losing the world series also sucked too. Cause we, we had no business losing to the Royals, man. We had no business. We were leading for way too much of that series. I think familiar gets a little too much for that. Cause he just, he put us on his back that year, man. And he pitched a long season. But those are two right there that hurt. That just yeah. hurts talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah. Those do hurt to talk about. Definitely some heartbreakers. Um, especially with Familia. Like you said, he pitched so well that the quick picked out the quick pitched Alex Gordon game one. Now Cuddy's got the uh, got the trivia question for us. So yeah, let's, let's go to let's that. Get some trivia go out on a high note over here. All right, here we go. Ready, boys? We got uh it's actually, we were just talking about a little playoffs here. It's true or false. The Mets have never lost a National League division series. I mean, I want to say true. I mean, in my lifetime, I know they haven't. I, I couldn't tell you really as far as the other years, but I, I'm going to go with true, yeah. bold, bold statement. I think, but I think, well, true. I, I think you might be the answer because what year did they start doing the, yeah. That's here. a great yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. What year did they start doing that? And do you ask like that's a question that if the answer is false, it's so obvious, I feel like. So I'm gonna go with true as well. Um, like Sean said, I don't know which year they started doing the division series. It used to just be the championship uh series, so that is a good point. Um and then even with the wild card, I don't know if there was just the wild card series before that, so that was a good point. I'm gonna go with uh that's true. Um, I'll let everybody else chime in. Sean, you go ahead. I'm going to go with true as well. Uh, like Greg said, they, they haven't lost a division series in a long time. So 
I'm going to go with Trey Young. What do we got, Connie? Yeah, it was true. You guys are right. Never lost the division series. Wow. Lost a wild card. We were there for that. Oh, of course, right? Never cool. lost the divisional series. Speaking of speaking of DS, I, that that was at the uh, NLDS game three, the first game ever at City Field playoff game. That place, that was a game. I think we blew them out like thirteen five or something that game. But Yoenis Suspinas hit that home run and he bat flipped that ball to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was a great episode of the pod, man. Greg, just a really great day. We got jumped into great things, episode five here. Um, I want to thank Sean Kennedy for chiming in here on the pod as our second guest. We're very happy to have him. Like I said before, he's on the Jets Wave podcast. You guys can follow that Twitter. Um, they're on iTunes, their podcast, all that. So I'll let him shout that out. Um, but first, I'll throw it to Cunny, let him throw himself out and uh, have his way. Yeah, Sean, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Always love talking Mets with you. We'll definitely be at games this summer. And looking forward to a good week of Mets baseball. Let's take two from Boston, and then let's take the series from Philly. Yes, sir. You guys have been doing great work. I love it. Uh, Jetsway Podcast, like like CJ said, uh, just on Twitter at Jetsway Podcast. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go to games, man, the Flushing Bandits. We're going to be quite a few deep, and it's going to be a great time. LFGM. LFGM. Yeah, LFGM for sure. Uh, Sean and I got the 16-game ticket package, so we'll be out there rowdy for sure um, in that M&M section right in left center field. So look for us, and uh, have a great night, man. Thank you for joining in. <laughs>